WLR, only the sexiest of people, not just sexy, the sexiest. If you're not part of the sexiest, you cannot be a part of the WLR family, the 1111 boys. You know why they call us that. And if you don't know, you're about to find out. I'm here with the man, the main event, the guy with the biggest biceps and the most marvelous beard, the dude himself, Strangler Steve King. What is going on? WLR. Tell the people what's up. Hey, what's going on, my brother? What a, what a week we've been having, huh? With the, both of us having stomach issues all week. And <laughs> <laughs> you're coming up with a successful show in New York City. Congratulations on Thank another you. great turnout. It was fun. Uh, great was talking fun. about that before we went live on the air. I'd love to hear more about it. And, uh, you know, I think you're making me a, a fan of uh, Tony Arterburn, hearing how cool his stuff was and oh, how, how good he was to deal with. So, you know, it, I always love when, like, a live event, you know, comes together. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but you know, when the people show up and they have a great time, I mean, nice. that's, I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. I mean, it does make it all worth it. We're doing it again next year. I can't We're wait. I'm going to be there next year. I'm going to be there next year. I will. If 100%. I'm guaranteeing it right now. Oh, that's dope. If you show up, um, say something. You don't have to. We get up there and speak a little bit. I, I also invited someone else that, you know, We'll talk about it off, 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 okay, off air. Okay, great. Um, but um, but th that might happen, you know. So uh, th there's a couple of things in the works, man. It was fun to get to meet all these people. You know, the America Unplugged crew got together. That was dope, you know. And and Charlie Robinson was there, and Richard Gage and Wayne McCroy. We we had a lot of fun. Colin Wysong, the dude. He, he yeah. It was always cool to see him. We got with Big Ray. Uh, H track yep. was out there. It was like a big family reunion, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see. Like, I, Colin was sending me pictures from his train ride all the way up from North Carolina to New York City. <laughs> right. He was so excited. I was excited for him because you know he works his ass off. He's yeah. been doing the long hours and not been able to get away very much, and so he was really looking forward to the trip. And he had a blast, which was you know awesome to hear. And he, he was sending me pictures of you and. Billy, uh, to Big Ray and himself all together, hanging out with Big Ray's mom at the house and everything, and Aiden, uh, Big Ray's right. son. He was having a great time. So it was really, he, I mean, just for that alone, I would say it was all worth it. But I mean, uh, you know, it made me kind of kind of jealous, which is why I'm like, you know what, I got to really make an effort to go up there. But, you know, we're still planning uh, next summer of uh, moving back to uh, New England. Uh, we're doing all that. Know, and we're yes, going to so. Philadelphia also for WrestleMania. Oh. And all of you, the 1111 yeah. crew, are invited to join us down in Philadelphia. Come say what's up to Shane. Absolutely. Yeah, we should do like a 1111 boys luncheon. Oh, that'd be dope. We might we might actually don't have, we might actually do something like that. That'd, that'd, that'd be dope. If we're we going to be staying at the casino that's within walking distance of uh, the Eagles Stadium there where the WrestleMania is going to be. So right, there's right. got to be like... 20 restaurants inside of a gigantic casino like that so wow. it'd probably be pretty easy to have people kind of just meet us there or something we could do like a you know a 
a meet and greet or something like that. That'd be fantastic, man. Let's do it. I'd love to do it and, and get to talk to the people and hang out for WrestleMania weekend. The Andrew Bellum is not here again. He's handling business over at Osgard or, or wherever he is doing, doing all kinds of God of Thunder things. We will, we will have him at some point. Maybe he'll come in during the broadcast. Maybe not. Yeah, I we never know. know. We're looking for We're looking for the Andrew Bello. I hope he's all right. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Yeah. Podcast down the road. You know, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to avoid me telling yeah. him that. I think he got really pissed the last time he fell for it. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking five weeks off. But maybe he got uh, 35 delight for murder fucking his girlfriend, like I was saying last week. So he, he might be waiting for an appeal <laughs> right now, either that or a presidential pardon. So you know, he's going to definitely be hoping Trump wins the election so he can get pardoned out of prison. Let's see, how, let's see what, what develops there. Listen, we got a lot of things going on here in the world of professional wrestling. And who better to ask these questions than to the Striz himself? Got to ask him all these questions. We got to see what's going on. The WWE is now owned officially by Endeavor. Some people are making a big deal out of it. I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal. I thought this was a set, you know, a done deal. Or who cares mm -hmm. at this point if it's the last Vince McMahon thing? I mean, I don't know. Um, it, 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 now they've created a company called TKO. I think that's the name of the company yep. that, that's holding both UFC and the WWE. But most importantly, I think as a result of this merger, Maybe not. You tell me, but I, I think it definitely has something to do with it. And you've been talking about it for for months and months and months and months, and and you've been proven right at this point, or at least it looks like you're going to get proven right. Mm -hmm. All the NXT titles are migrating up to the main roster. You just told me I didn't I didn't watch, but you just told me that Be Becky Lynch is the new NXT Women's Champion. Yep, she just beat uh, Tiffany Stratton. For those who don't who aren't familiar with uh, Tiffany. Uh, a great uh, young worker, and she's going to be a big star in the company. I mean, if you could make a Barbie doll wrestle, it's literally she. She's like five foot nine or so, a statuesque body, um, looks like a blonde haired, blue eyed uh, cheerleader with all the right, you know, curves in all the right places, but is also also incredibly athletic. And uh, I believe she actually was a professional uh, athlete of some kind, and uh, you know, is actually very good in the ring. Uh, a little on the green side, but that's going to go away in time when she keeps working with people like Becky Lynch. And uh, they had a great match. It was the main event of NXT this week. And uh, I think they did about 15 minutes, and it was really very, very good. I don't think either one of them messed up anything. And uh, they had a great back-and-forth match, and then they gave the title to Becky. And like I said, with Dominic being the North American champion, the North American title has also the Cruiserweight title that had been absorbed up into it. And you know, um, that's not Dominic, like I said, who's a main roster player. We also have um, the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes, making very regular appearances in the crowd at Monday Night Raw. He also wrestled Seth Rollins down in NXT. They had, um, you know, Seth come down to NXT and work with Braun Breaker. Or it might have been vice versa on those who, have, who worked where and who. But, uh, you know, it, it just tells me that with Endeavor finally having WWE as their property, and, and WWE having to cut down that $50 million worth of fat, it only makes sense that they're going to most likely absorb NXT into Raw and SmackDown over the next several months and um, possibly just retire the brand and um, have those titles all absorbed into whatever other titles there are. And uh, maybe, like I was saying to my wife earlier tonight, maybe what their plan is is if they really want to you know, slice things down, 
is get rid of the the, the um, split roster, have one roster that works Mondays and Fridays. Right. But it's the you know we have you know the championships are all combined, like the Universal and the World Heavyweight Championship get combined into one WWE World Heavyweight Champion again, and you know the women's title is just one he- women's heavyweight title and the tag belts, etc. Because like then you can save a lot of money and you don't need to have literally 75 workers under contract when you're only using maybe 25 of them on any kind of regular basis. And in NXT alone, like the, the performance center and people under developmental deals, there must be at least 50 or 60 people that you just never see. And they're just training. Like some people, they'll, they'll hire like soccer players and rugby players and ex football players and yeah. basketball players just to see if they have what it takes. And they'll, some of them they'll keep under contract for two years, three years, and then they finally get cut. And it's, Oh, so-and-so was released today. You know, it's like, Oh, I didn't even remember that person even had a job, you know, cause that's somebody they have. But when you're trying to feed a machine like WWE and you need that split brand and you have, you know, 80 active people on your roster, then you need to at least have, that many on the wings that like somebody to replace anybody at any given time. And you have to have them be ready to go and be main event players right. that work the camera can work under the lights, can deal with the pressure and the, the TV times and the, you know, all the things that go along with being, you know, a guy who can work a three segment match, you know, that takes a lot of training. So you have to have a lot of people kind of in the mix doing it because out of the 400 that you may hire over the course of three years, you keep maybe a hundred of them out of yeah. them. Maybe 25 of them get to NXT and out of those 25, maybe five go to the main roster. And out of those five, hopefully one of them kind of catches on and, and gets that kind of momentum going, but you have to go through hundreds and hundreds of workers to find that, that one guy or girl who has that, special something that i mean you can be an amazing worker but if like the crowd doesn't respond to you or you just don't have that it factor or you're don't have charisma that charisma naturally or you're afraid of the light when it goes on and you can't cut that promo or remember that whole 20 minute promo that's going to get you into your next pay-per-view amount of business you know then there's not much they can do with you and like i'm, I'm not saying this to, to crap on anybody because mm. to get to wwe in any regard whether it's just as a trainee or the main event, you've got to have something that they saw that we don't see. And they thought this is where this guy's worth a shot. Right. But you take a guy like Tazawa, who's been in the company like seven or eight years now, maybe even longer. He came in when they were starting to develop the cruiserweight division and uh, the, the purple brand, if you will, before it was part of NXT, it was the two Oh five live thing that had its own television show, its own production and everything. And uh, very good, you know, hand, uh, as far as being able to wrestle without hurting his opponent, he looks the part. Uh, he's not very big, but I mean, it was, like I said, it's a cruiserweight. But somehow, yeah, I don't know if it's a language barrier thing or something, it kept him from, you know, almost mind melding with the crowd enough where they feel like this is our guy and they don't rally behind him like they do with, like, say, a Seth Rollins or you know, um, a John Moxley where the crowd hears your music and they just go ape shit for you. You know, he's right. not one of those guys and he never will be. It's just, you know, whatever that one thing is that he's lacking, it's just not there. But he has a very important position being like that bit of a, a utility player where he can go in there and give a guy like Miz a great 12 minute match to help get the Miz get himself over and get some heat for his angle. 
or go down to NXT and do a job like he just did uh, on NXT this evening in the uh, tournament for the Heritage Cup that they're doing down there to help propel, uh, I believe it was not Nathan Fraser, up to the next you know set you know, part of the tournament. So it, that is a, I mean, you, with wrestling, you need winners and you need losers, and he does do the job of losing to the bigger name or the guy that needs to go further in the story. He does a phenomenal job at that because he gives them some, you know, a good match. So it's a very important person, you know, position to have. It pays very well and you can have a job, you know, weird like that. You can have a job like that for 10 years before people even realize you were there for that long. <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? But, but it's a, it's a very important position, but you'll never get past that certain thing where they're like, well, let's go with uh, Tazawa. He's got to be our champion tonight. You know, that's never going to be like, no, we can't put it on this guy. I mean, the, I mean, I think personally you probably could, but they'll never be in like you know they'll never shock the world like and do something like that, even if it was for like one night only. But like, right. Karen Tazawa is the WWE champion. What? Uh, what's yeah. happening? They wouldn't do that. But I mean, like you could do that in the Indies. It'd be great. People would talk about it. And even if he did lose it in his first defense, that would help make a guy like that. You know, maybe get to the next level. But you know, uh, but oh, like I said, not bring it back down around to. Um, I do think this is the for the last several several months, at least six months now, has been the slow phase out of NXT, and I think that's what's ultimately going to happen. I think you're right, man. Now that I see it, you know, I was like, man, like, and I still didn't see it up until you you mentioned it about with uh, with Becky Lynch tonight, and they hinted at it because they were like, oh, Becky Lynch has never been the NXT champion, right? You know, and so I was like, oh, okay, you know, I didn't I didn't even think twice until you mentioned it that that uh that she won, and I was like, oh. Might be something to that. Might be yeah. something. To that. And I remember Akira Tozawa in Dragon Gate. He oh yeah, yes. right. He was the man. People were behind him. You know, it, it's all in the presentation. And the WWE never ever took cruiserweight seriously ever, with the exception of a few. Like I mean, a handful, maybe three, mm-hmm. that we can talk about. You know, um, Rey Mysterio most uh, yes. most prominently. Yeah. Right. But um, that's the difference in the presentation, right? If they presented Akira, not that he would be WWE champion, but he could have the crowd behind him in a cruiserweight mm-hmm. form, and and uh, people would love it. Like uh, like in WCW, like Ultimo Dragon had the crowd behind him. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, JL to a certain extent. Uh, there were so many, so many of them. Well, even yeah. even um, your boy Chad Gable recently, just that match he had on Monday Night Raw this past week with Gunther. Right. I mean, right. people were like begging to see uh, Chad uh, upset Gunther and get the belt. And there's one more. He, he's he's a he's a cruiserweight. And uh, who's that? No, there's one more. I mean, they get one more. Oh, yeah, they get one more. Yeah. One and more uh, you know, it was great that the, the daughter was crying. It was heartfelt. You know what I mean? Like that was really really good. You couldn't have acted that. It was just so perfect. She really wanted to see her dad win. It really said actually a lot about Chad, like how much his daughter loves him and stuff, and wanted to see him win. And, and she it just crushed her to see her dad lose, and and you're there, and TV cameras in your face, but you can't hold it back because you're just so sad, man. That that pulls at me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, man. you can tell he must be a great dad for that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, like, man. Yeah. And, and I, I I still think, man, that he can win this intercontinental title. Now and that he, could, that he already broke the record. Yeah, right? now that Gunther broke the record, right? It, it could very well happen. And that, I'd love that's for the it case, to happen. And that's great for everybody. Right. I'd love, I'd love get for it back or whatever. I, I love I love that kid. I think he's fantastic. Um, he's a phenomenal wrestler. I remember seeing Akira Tozawa versus Johnny Gargano main event in Dragon Gate here in New York. Um, and the people lost it for Akira Tozawa. And, and Akira Tozawa used to be a, a fat guy. 
Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. And, and he lost a ton of weight, got in some shredded. He is ridiculous. He's super good. And he's charismatic. Uh, good for him. Dude, if I was Akira Tozawa, I'd stay in the WWE too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the money. I'd take it until they wouldn't give it to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Me too. So good for him. And even if you go three months without a match, just be like, hey, I didn't take that take yeah. any bucks for three months. I can work out. Right. I can eat whatever I want. Uh, you know, you're home most of the week anyway. You show up and you go, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'll be in catering. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to go I'll have some here and parm. <laughs> right, man. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the show. How are things going to change? What, what what do you think Endeavor? How is Endeavor going to change things? Like well, I, I think, like I said, I think they're going to. I think a lot of people are going to be on the chopping block. Yeah, man. And I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going to lose their jobs, both office, like corporate wise and uh, talent wise, because they're going to want to run it as streamlined as possible. They didn't buy it to be in the wrestling business. They made it to make. They bought it to make money. Yeah. And WWE has proven with WrestleManias and stuff year after year that they've been making a lot of money. Well, I think last year's WrestleMania profited for the entire city that it was in. It brought in like over $90 million right. worth of business. I mean, that's not small change. And, uh, you know, if they're able to keep continue doing that and also have a smaller roster and less uh, money going out, then that's more for their profit. And there's more. And as you know, TKO is uh, traded on the stock market and opened today. It closed to $103 and I think 44 cents. And, uh, you know, that they have obligations to their stockholders. And when it comes to that, then it's always going to be about the bottom line and how much profit year after year are you making? And is, is it at least 20% more than last year? And how are you going to do it again this year and keep that going? That's how, that's how you know, publicly traded businesses are. It's all about how much can the uh, investor make and dividends and all types of things like that. And I, I am, uh, in my entire life, it's been Vince McMahon. He's been the guy that 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 uh, held held it down um when vince sold it because of all the nonsense he was doing otherwise i don't think he would have sold it um at least not this quickly but uh you know he he was caught and uh, he was like i i want to do something so he freaking sold the company that way he can stay empowered some nonsense like that um that's when it happened for me that's when it was over this is official now or whatever Mm -hmm. um but it was it's been over for a bit apparently Vince McMahon was backstage screwing around, trying to change shit last minute. That's going to happen for some time. Vince McMahon um, is is not going to be around. You know, I mean, he's old as it is, you know, and, and when Vince goes, yeah, that's it. You yeah. know, that, there's nothing else um, to, to uh, you know, even Triple H, man. I Maybe maybe they like him enough to keep him around. Maybe he'll stay around. If I was Triple H, I'd take my money and go home. Yeah, maybe he has nothing left to prove. Right. <laughs> and as far as Vince goes, you know, he's supposed to be staying on as head of creative with a paycheck and everything going forward. But whenever companies take over and they say they're going to keep this guy around and that guy around and their president's around and they're going to do their job like they've always done it, it never lasts longer than a year. So what I think is going to happen is that they'll keep Vince on track as so long as the ratings are where they want him to be. Um, that they'll keep him until WrestleMania where he finishes up all his angles that he's been working on throughout this last year. And that'll be his send off and he won't be around much longer after that. They also said that they're thinking about, uh, or not ruling out CM Punk, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that there was, there's a report that came out. I mean, I think that's a big mistake. Striz bringing in, C- I mean, they'll make money, you know, so yeah. maybe in, in that in that respect, it won't be a big mistake, right? They, they'll make money if they can get this dude to cooperate and, and not be a, a dickhead. 
Well, um, but but uh, as far as morale in the locker room, like I, I hear that uh, WWE is on the up and up, right? That everybody's is loving it. Everybody's happy backstage. I don't know if the insertion of Phil Brooks is going to make it any better. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, we talked to you and I talked about off air about him having to book talent that we don't necessarily like or get along with, and have, they have to be dick difficult. True, but true. somehow they, there are fans out there that respond to the, that particular person, and you got to kind of give the fans what they want. So, I mean, you can always do it on a probationary period or sign them like they were doing with a couple of the older guys like Edge or uh, Goldberg and say, hey, let's sign you to a six-match deal. You know, it'll, it'll consist of, you know, 20 appearances, but six matches where you're going to pay it off on, on how we want you to pay it off. And, you know, let's, let's do one year like that and see what we got. If there's something there, then great. If not, we'll do this. We'll either pay you out or we'll do the six matches and call it a night. Or we'll go forward and we'll add more on, or we'll talk about something more full time. But that's you know, just bring him on probationary wise and see if he wants to play ball. Right. If if I uh, mean, I I personally think I think yes, he he probably wouldn't be well received. But I also feel that if you just keep him in his fucking bus in the parking lot, and nobody gives a fuck. Let him just stay out there all night if he's comfortable out there. Well, he doesn't have to mix with the guys. I I, I wouldn't give a fuck. But I think it would be a good money angle. In fact, I think it could be a very top angle if it was him versus Cody Rhodes. Yes. Um, I, I would, after that, uh, I, I would, uh, I mean, Cody Rhodes would have to go over, right? So, I mean, I, I'd, I'd put him Does over. He? I think so. <laughs> I think Cody has to go over. Um, but uh, I, I'd really put him up against Braun Breaker and have Braun Breaker just roll him, you know, and, and move forward that way, that way to elevate Braun Breaker in that manner and make him a serious threat. You know, um, I love that kid. You know, I I think he's fantastic. I, I don't know about the mic. I, I haven't seen him enough because I don't yeah, really he, watch NXT. He is like, oh, he's fine on the mic. I think he does a fine job, which is great because he looks tremendous too. He passes the eye test, whereas as soon as you look at him, you know he's a pro wrestler. Right. I mean, he must be 200 and almost 40, 45 pounds now. And he was, he's just dripping with neck and shoulders and arms. It's just ridiculous. Like, I can't even believe they're letting him get that big with them still having a wellness policy and everything. But, you know, maybe that's one of the things that's going to go by the wayside now that TKO is in charge. Maybe they're going to drop the wellness policy and be like, hey, if the guys want to fucking get juiced up, get them get juiced up. It's not like they're actually really competing like in the UFC. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so who knows? But, I mean, it's, 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 you know, a business that always has done well when the dudes look like, not your average typical guy who's going to fill up your gas tank for you. You know what I mean? So you got to have like oddities in this world. That's what made the carnival so appealing to people was like, you're going to go see something that you just don't see every day. And that's what wrestling was, was the traveling circus. So when you have a guy like Braun Breaker, it's like, you look at him and you go, God damn, he's going to ruin somebody. You know, you want to see what he's going to do. Put him in there with the 110 pound kid. Let's see what he does. (laughs) You know, I'd I'd love to see him feeding feeding some kid to the lions, you know? Right. I'd I'd love to see it happen. Um, and uh, a track. Hold on, let me let me put up that comment that he put up about about Vince. Uh, that's not it. Uh, this guy is it. Here he goes. Nah, he's like if Dana ain't going nowhere, Vince ain't going nowhere. It's two very different things. Uh, uh Dana White still has something to offer the UFC. They had no. Well, yeah, idea. he's he's fifty years younger than Vince and right, can right. still speak in complete sentences. And as far as we know. Hasn't like you know effed like half of his staff, you know. So, <laughs> right, that's another that. thing. Even though he, he might have slapped his wife, but right. the thing, I guess that didn't, really, that didn't really turn into anything. 
right? So because he just helped him promote the slap TV show, really. <laughs> Even though uh, what this uh, this FBI thing isn't doing um, Vince McMahon any favors, bro. I, I just don't see him around for too much longer. Um, and uh, and Endeavor's gonna take over and and yeah and do whatever they want there. And, and Vince I, I years know. ago bought a, a, a condo that was like in the penthouse of a high skyscraper, and he spent like ridiculous money on it, like. $15 million or something like that. So in my opinion, he should just move down to Florida full-time, buy a small space of beach, put an outdoor gym there, and just hang and bang in the sun and have some buddies of his come by every day and have some hot bikini chicks come by and watch them work out and just have a fucking blast. Yeah. If that's how he wants to spend the rest of his life, I mean, what more does he have to do? He's 70 freaking eight years old. I mean, right. Come on, that yeah. little weird thin mustache though's gotta go. Yeah, he has a Hitler stash almost. It's, it's weird. Almost it's, it looks like uh, some sort of like some like lover from Spain kind of look. I don't know, he's <laughs> just a rose across his little Hello, like Bellows freaking beard. Yeah, <laughs> or Bellows mustache. Whatever. Yeah, he's got, he has. He has <laughs> his mustache. It's funny. Let's um let's let's uh, move on to uh, WWE losing a ton of freaking ratings to, to Monday Night Football. Now that's typical, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a typical thing. You expect them to lose to Monday Night Football, but how will Endeavor deal with something like that? Could we be seeing the end of Monday Night Raw after a while? Listen, don't rule this out. Don't rule it out. Okay. I don't rule anything out. Right. Monday Night Raw might be a thing of the past, and while it sucked for a long time, it was very good for a while. What channel is uh, Monday Night Raw on? It's on a USA Network. Correct. What channel is NXT on? USA Network. What day is NXT? Tuesday. If there's no more NXT, where could they possibly put Monday Night Raw to not compete with Monday Night Football? On Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday's at 8 o'clock, right? That's it. Monday's at 8? Look at that. Tuesday Night Raw. The slot's already there for wrestling. Oh, my gosh. There you go. You heard it they, here they, first. They moved SmackDown around from Tuesdays to Thursdays to Fridays. Right. You right. know, why, why, what, who says that Monday Night Raw has to stay on Mondays? Just... Just call it Tuesday Night Raw. Who, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that way you got people watching all the time. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's it. You don't have to worry about anything. Look, look, it, it sucks as a fan of both products to have to choose because it sucks to flip back and forth because you're going to miss a good play on the football game. And you're like, oh, man. You know, and no one wants to do that. You want to watch your game. You know, you don't. Mm-hmm. I hate when I'm like in postseason baseball from having us flip back and forth between a really good game and something else that I'm, I want to watch, but you know, it's not postseason baseball. You know what I mean? It's like, shit, I don't want to have to make the decision. So you have to tape like wrestling. Cause you can't watch baseball on tape. It's just ridiculous. It's gotta be watched live. So, you know, with having it on Tuesdays going forward would make it so at least you can watch it without having to compete. Cooper says, I don't know. I, I don't I don't trust Vince. He's going to end up back in full creative control. Just watch. I think he will. He but for, for a very brief moment in time until he screws this up again. Um, yeah. And and the, and the FBI is not. the next lawsuit comes out. Right. They have they, to bury. Like, what do you mean you spent $20 coming. million dollars of company money that you haven't put back in the coffers yet? You know, oh, oh, oh I, I was planning on putting that back. Hold on. Let me cut you a check out of my $9.3 billion that I just made. And I, I was going back and forth with A-Track about that, and I, I didn't think Vince McMahon would be that stupid to do something like that. He has a ton of his own money. And and Vin, uh, uh, A-Track was uh, telling me, he was like, nah, 
rich people don't spend their own money, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's called OPM. Right. You know now what, what does that mean? OPM is what you do when you're starting up a business. It's called other people's money. <laughs> and that's a tactic in businesses. You never want to use your own money. You want to use OPM. And that's other right. people's money. Yeah, well, it, it got him in trouble for being a freaking dumbass, you idiot. And now and now it's going to put him in, in, in real deep water, man. Like the, he's not. He's not going to be around for too much longer. Mark, mark my freaking words. And, and then uh, Monday Night Raw, enjoy it now while you have it. Right? We're, we're going to be talking nostalgia soon. You remember the Monday Night Raws? You remember Monday Night Raw? <laughs> going through a Monday Night Raw, episode 15 right. from Detroit, Michigan. Uh-huh. So Coco Beware versus Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> way back in the day. You know, it's yeah. crazy, man, um, the, the way things are developing with, uh, with, uh, with the sale. You know, but what are you going to do? And yeah. nothing is sacred anymore. No. There's there's nothing that will last forever. But this might breathe some lifeblood into WWE that it's needed for years because they've had the same crew of, you know, miscreants and ne'er-do-wells in charge of the product for, you know, 30-plus decades, 30-plus years now. Like Michael Hayes and Terry Taylor and all those guys that have just hung on and hung on and kept young guys out of those positions now – they're all probably looking retirement in the face and thinking, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? But they need to have the new blood in there. They need to get more modern writers who are in their like mid to late twenties or early thirties that can write for a new generation of wrestling. Right. Right. And not, not make it as, as hokey, whatever. It it doesn't matter now. The, the, the wrestling fan is, is, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, they don't need kayfabe. I mean, I, I think in order for, to to make a, a whole new generation or, or or expand the base or whatever you you need kayfabe to come back but for for the people that are around now they they fully bought into whatever's going on they don't care they just want to watch they know they want to be a part of the show they want to be a part of the work you know that they, they and and they enjoy it for that but that's not going to cause any growth it's just going to stay stagnant you know when when somebody goes away maybe their kid still watches or something like that i i don't know but um a lot of people just don't care about that sort of stuff anymore. I still think it's the best way to maximize, you know, what you're going to get out of the product. And maybe somebody in the UFC is like, let's make it more while keeping the essence of wrestling, just make it more, you know, competitive, more UFC like, uh, and say, you know, so they can mirror each other just a little bit. They're already trying to rip off the UFC with those stupid ass belts, keeping them all uniform. They just don't look as good as the UFC ones that I've right. watched the UFC in a while. I used to watch the UFC religiously, and then I stopped when when I when I went back to school. I just stopped watching, and I stopped watching football too. I tried to watch some this weekend, and uh, but I was busy saving the world. It was different. <laughs> well, you had a lot on your plate this past weekend, and it's weird though. Like when you become, you know, I don't know, I, I don't hate using the term we're like red pilled, but like things like um, pro sports have you know, look at them totally differently, and you know you kind of see the work, and um, yeah, you know it's kind of a turn off, but. You have to be able to also downshift from that thinking and actually just enjoy it as a game. You don't live vicariously through the players and die whether or not your team wins or loses, but you can actually just watch it for the athletics and enjoy this, the game. At least that's what I've been able to do over the last couple of years. Be like, well, let me just at least watch it. There's nothing else on, and I still want to see something that's kind of entertaining. So, you know, without putting my soul on the line for whether I'm happy or sad by the end of it. I just watch it for what it is and enjoy it that way. All right, man. I get you. I try to do the same thing, but it's it's difficult for me to do. Yeah, it uh, is. Re- regardless, I, I still ch- somebody pushed uh, pitched me a, a 
a guy that thinks all sports are fixed. I, I got to maybe reach out to that guy and, and, and speak, speak to him on the fringe or something. Okay. I want to talk uh, uh, the shout outs. You, you, you picked this great, great topic. I think it was fantastic. Thank people, you. People, people chimed in. I want to talk about it. Greatest tag teams of all time. Now, was this limited to a company or just in general? No, I, it was just name a tag team that you love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not to be specific to any any particular, you know, organization. Then I, uh, I, I was just trying to think of a subject today. And I'm like, hmm, what can I do? And I thought, well, I don't know how it hit me. It just kind of came to me. I'm like, oh, you know, that's, oh, let's go with that and see what it is. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, name your favorite tag team of all time. And I was really curious to see what people would come up with. And we got 20 responses. And you know what? Pretty much it's 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 all across the board. There's not too many um, doubles. There's a few, but not not as many as you would think. All right. So it's a pretty nice interesting you. list. All right. Eight track, what's your what's your favorite tag team? Put that in the chat. And everybody else who's in the chat. Yeah, eight track did not uh, respond this week. So no. we'll they're in the chat. No, they're in the chat right now. So I'm, I'm I'm asking them to do so. I'm interested. But anyway, go ahead. Cool. All right, at the top of the list, we have Mandir. What's going on, brother? What's up, Mandir? How you doing, buddy? What's going uh, on? Andrew Bell's favorite Chimera. That's right. He, um, his favorite tag team is the Lucha Brothers. You know what? That is a solid pick. Hell yeah. And that, it's probably the most recent tag team on this list. Right. Well, that, that tag team is freaking nominal. Yeah, they're nuts. And, and I, went to, I went to AEW with my kid earlier this year. And I stuck around for Ring of Honor just to see the Lucha Bros. Wow. As soon as, because I had never seen them before, and I'm a mark for them. As soon as their match was over, I took off. Who did they wrestle? Uh, don't even care. I don't remember. It was, it was some people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was great to watch them and to, to see them walk out. And, and I'm just a big fan. We have to go to uh, Arena Mexico at some point, sir. So Absolutely, we got to do it. We got to do it. So, Lucha Bros, that, that's an excellent pick. I hey, it. I have I got my passport in the mail. Oof. So I, I am one step closer. That's right. Striz and and Billy the Kid, we're going to Mexico. Oh, we're we're taking own the place. We're gonna that's own right. it. Fantastic. Taking you everywhere. <laughs> Up next, we have Doctor Guitar. What's going on, my man? Sub Doc. He went old school. He said the Heart Foundation, which is definitely one of my top three great. tag teams. When when I was a kid. I didn't like the Heart Foundation, but I wasn't supposed to like the Heart Foundation. Right. 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 Uh, until they beat Demolition for the tag belts. And then I kind of came around. And then I was <laughs> a fan of uh, of uh, of Bret Hart for a bit. And I love Jim DeAnvil Nightheart. But since you mentioned the Heart Foundation, my favorite incarnation of the Heart Foundation was the faction when it was all five. When it was. Uh, oh, British, yeah. Yeah. The British Bulldog going hard. Like, yes. Filming uh, the Anvil and Bret. Fantastic. Oh my god, dude. What great TV that was, right. man. Very good stuff. Oh, Very good. It was so good. The crowds were so hot. Hell yeah, man. Oh, what a what a fantastic time that we'll never see that again, probably. No, we will not. No. <laughs> uh up next we have uh from Phoenix, Jose Van Dam. What's going on? Jose Van Dam was I'll going do it on? for Bello J V D. Now he said uh, the Midnight Rockers, which just shows you, you know, a little bit of age there because they were the Midnight Rockers in the AWA. Right. But he, he he did put Midnight Rockers slash Rockers, but right. the fact the fact that he put Midnight in there shows me he's been a fan for over thirty years now because they were in the AWA in like 86, 87. Right, right, right. So Good that's thirty five years, you know. The Rockers were a fantastic tag. Fantastic, and you know the last year where AWA was really over that that like mid to that late. 
later 80s thing, the biggest feud happening was the Midnight Rockers versus, um, um, oh my God, I'm having a, uh, Buddy Rose and uh, his partner, I can't remember his first name, his last name was Landell. They were managed by Sensational Sherry. And they did. They had a blood feud that lasted like six months, and it was unbelievable matches. Like you couldn't believe. Like they were ahead of their time by a, a decade and a half at least at that point. Right. So it was just an amazing feud, and it kept the company open for a good six months because they didn't have anybody on top at that point. And then when your top feud is the tag team angle, it's pretty rare back then. You know, it's usually just whoever the heavyweight champion was, which I believe at the time was probably. Um, Larry Zabisco? Maybe not at that point yet, but close to it. Uh, DX Dream says uh, them boys were the perfect. Yeah. That was a fantastic yeah, tag. God bless. God I got bless. to see the Briscoes on many, many, many occasions. But and, and before anybody knew who they were, I, I saw the Briscoes once. Dude, time. I saw them when they were like teenagers. Right, right, they, right. Each of them weighed about 125 pounds soaking wet. Their singlets were literally hanging off of their skinny bodies. They were so skinny. Right. And they wrestled each other on a New England Championship wrestling show because they were promoting the uh, Ring of Honor show that was coming to town. And they wrestled each other on that show. And that was like early, early 2000s, like maybe 2000, 2001, 2002. So it was, it was a long time ago. Oh, up hey, next. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, buddy. No, no, yeah. Okay. Uh, up next on the list, we have K-Bob Tech. What's going on, buddy? What up, K-Bob? Was good, bro? He's he's uh he's a hometown boy. He's going with Papa Don and Ben Hameen. <laughs> they were a pretty good tag team and uh Come what was on, it uh, Come legacy on. wrestling, whatever it was. Up next we have Ben Hameen himself. He's answering the question this week. <laughs> he's saying the sons of Allah with Blaze Haram and himself as the uh, tag team champions of Immortal Championship Wrestling. I gotta tell you something. I love that tag team. And if if that tag team was around during the ECW days, they'd be over as fuck. Dude, if they were around during like 85, they would have been over huge. Tons right. of heat. Right. Tons of heat. Love that tag team. Up next on the list is actually the Andrew Bello. What's up, Bell? <laughs> his favorite tag team was the Broken Hardies from TNA. That was okay. I, I like that. I really enjoyed it because it was a little bit of a rebirth for the Hardies, which they really needed at the time. So... Up next, we have Katie Anderson. What's going on, Katie? One of the Stranglets. It's good to hear from you. What's up, Katie? How you doing? She says the Rock and Stock Connection. That was a dope tag team for yeah. about three months or whatever. However, yeah, that was a fun tag team, but they were fantastic. I mean, everybody loved them. All right, your boy, the professor. He's up next. Chabelo Vela Cruz, the most magnanimous, the effervescent, the glorious Chabelo Vela Cruz, edifying all the women and children, no, just the women, around <laughs> the world. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, what are you saying? <laughs> with his mind and his body, ladies and gents, the professor Chabelo Vela Cruz. Now, he gained some points with me tonight, Billy Ray. What did he say? I wasn't expecting anybody to say this. Oof. His favorite tag team, the Jumping Bomb Angels. That popped me huge <laughs> because I loved the Jumping Bomb Angels. In fact, right. I've talked about it. I'm not on just this show, but the Friday Locker Room and other shows as well, that the feud between the Jumping Bomb Angels and the Glamour Girls in 1987 in WWF, where they brought the ladies' tag belts back up to TV for the first time since 1983. Right. And I fell in love with women's tag team wrestling then. And in fact, went to a show in Bill Ricca, Massachusetts at the uh, high school. Yeah. And the main event was the Jumping Bomb Angels versus the Glamour Girls. And uh, 
looked like the, the, the Glamour Girls were the champion. They hadn't dropped it to the Bomb Angels yet. And uh, they had a great, they were the main event, which was a uh, tag team main event. It was women's, and for the women's tag team, WWF tag team title, like, like really weird, random, which is like right up my alley. The more weird and random, the more I fall in love with it. Yeah. And I went to the show with a buddy of mine and his father, and the place was packed. I mean, you couldn't move in this building. It was a very C-Town show where, like, the undercard were a lot of Killer Kowalski uh, students at the time, the school where I trained at, but much, many years later, five years later, in fact. But he had um, a lot of his guys, you know, in the opening matches and the preliminary kinds of things, and then slowly built up. And you had, like, Mike Sharp versus Steve Lombardi. So, like, the lower-end guys from TV, because, like I said, it was a C-show. And then, like, you know, you have a, you know, a name that, you know, Jim Powers was a big name on the show. I remember you know, Jim Powers. Right. So it was that kind of a show, but it ended with the Jumping Bomb Angels and the Glamour Girls doing at least, I think it was 20 to 30 minutes, and it was sweltering hot, and it was like a, I don't know if it was double disqualification or a time limit draw, but something happened. It was just as the Jumping Bomb Angels hit the finish, a big power bomb, one, two, and they didn't win the belts, and the Glamour Girls you know, got out of Dodge with the belts by the skins of their teeth and everyone bought the finish and it was phenomenally done. Even Jimmy Hart was there to manage the glamour girls where the, the, the um, managers never really made house shows back then, especially see house shows. So he must've been agenting as well as doing other responsibilities, you know, like uh, dealing with the venue and, you know, other things that agents do. So, uh, but he came out to ringside with them with his glamour girls outfit and jacket on, just like you saw it on TV and it was just like an amazing night of WWF wrestling in a very small building that maybe held 1,500 people or wow. 2,000 people. And it, like I said, the hanging from the rafters, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say. So, Professor, Everybody, that was a really good one. They're on my short list of favorite tag teams. I love the Bomb Angels. Everybody in the chat, I'm going to get to your favorite tag teams at the end of the shout outs, guys. Go ahead, buddy. Up next, we have Frank's Pickle Barrel Ass. What's going what up, on, Frankie? Frank? What's going he, on? He's he's buddies with Hameen, so he's of the Sons of Allah as well with Blaze Haram and Ben Fantastic tag team. It's a, it's a good tag team, man. Yeah, and it's a like, heat tag team, man. I'll tell and, you. I mean, Ben can cut a promo like nobody's freaking yeah. business. It's yeah. fantastic. And Blaze compliments him fairly well. Love that tag team. They, yeah, and, and like Ben does a better promo and Blaze does more of the work because he's a younger guy in the ring, right. so it makes a lot of sense. Right, right, right. Uh, Black Larry David, what's going on, buddy? What up, Black Larry David? What's up? He's the only person who said this, and um, I'm surprised because they're a fantastic tag team. Harlem Heat. Nice. Somebody in the chat said the Harlem Heat, I think. One of the most underrated tag teams of the 90s, and like I had said maybe even over a year ago, Harlem Heat was great, but when they got Sensational Sherry, it mm -hmm. made them because yeah. she was a very credible uh, worker who would also manage, and when she was on your, you know, with you, you became a championship team. Like think of all the people that she managed, like Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels, and at times Ric Flair and Randy Savage. They're only top top talent, right, right? So to put her with Harlem Heat raised them up of the, the level that they needed to be at to be like, what were they like eleven time WCW oh, tag team champions? Like right, right, right. unbelievable Hall of Fame career as far as tag team wrestling goes up next we have dan heffern what's going on dan what's up hef now as you know dan's an old school guy and uh his favorite tag team was any variation of the von eric brothers with kerry kevin and david 
Okay. Very good. I, I love their feud with the, Legendary. Uh, with- Doc and with uh, not Doc and Gordy with um, Michael Hayes and Gordy uh, the, the Freebirds. So if you want to see some heavy hitting, hard hitting wrestling? Go back and watch that stuff. They're, they're shoot punching each other in the face. Wow! But the people believed. Yeah. And they came back with their money and paid and watched again. Up next, we have Craigy H. What's going on, Craigy? What up, Craigy? Listen, I talk to Craig real quick. <laughs> <He's doing laughs> I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, he's doing some ahead. bullshit here, right? Yeah. Like, He's doing this Cambridge Analytica style deception on the people, right? Wow. He, put, he puts up this score on on um, on Twitter. He's like, "Look what I did!" Oh, and everybody's like, "Oh, look what I did!" Oh, I, I cruised or whatever. But he doesn't tell you the details. No, he doesn't tell you the details. You What's know, he leaving out. Yeah, well, he's leaving out that my quarterback got hurt in the first play of the freaking game. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's it. It was over at that point. Right. But regardless yeah. of that, he's also leaving out that um, I was busy saving the world while you were sitting in front of a freaking television screen, kid. Smoking right? cheese. Listen, 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 listen up. All right? pay, pay close attention. I'm talking to you, Craig. All right? First of all, I wasn't going to hit you with the cease and desist, but now I'm now I'm seriously thinking about it. All right. It's going through my head. The homie media lawyers are on it. We talked about it today. I'm about to pull the trigger on your punk ass, man. Don't let me do it, okay? Second, all right, you said you can use the name now because you won. You clearly don't know what it is to hold the name like Cody Lodge. Well, first off, why are you stealing my intellectual property? Why can't you come up with something new, right? (laughs) You got to come up with my stuff, right? Mm. And you clearly don't know what it's like to hold a name like that. And you're like, oh, well, you know, so I won. Then I get to hold the name. That's not that. When I said you win, it's not you win the battle. You got to win the league, brother. That's what I said. Win the league. And I'm still not going to honor that, even if you do by some grace of God. Okay? <laughs> I do not honor bet with coward. And you, Ooh. my friend, you, my friend, are coward like Karate Kid. Um, that, that, that's, and so I'm not doing it. Okay? I am not. And, and uh, thanks a lot for deceiving the people. All right? While I'm out trying to do good things, you know, try, trying, to, trying to freaking do something you know, uh, productive, right? And you over here come besmirching the good name of Billy the Kid, Billy Ray Valentine, Mecca G, Cody Loads, and then you take my name, okay? So you you better win this. You better win the league, and then maybe I won't hit you with the cease and desist, all right? That, that's all I'm saying. Not to mention the fact that I didn't even draft this team, okay? I only drafted little pieces here and there before I had to go because I was too busy, Craigie H. Anyway, that's it. Wow. I got nothing else. You want me to go? You want me to tell you what his favorite tag team is? You, you to, I'll just skip him. Hey, I love you, Greg E.H. I love you. Okay, I love you. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, uh, don't forget he can he can take care of us in the smoke. Well, that's department. another thing. Like I mean, I haven't only, gotten a package yet either, brother. That's not not only does he not take care of us, but then he's talking crap about me, yeah. stealing my name. Why are you stealing from me? What hey, I ever do to you? Right, exactly. Jeez. Nice guys. See, nice guys, man. Nice guys. Right. <laughs> Always finish last. Anyhow, his favorite tag team is the Steiner Brothers. Steiner Brothers were fantastic. I, I remember when they said it. I loved it. I, I love the Steiners in WCW. And I remember when they were in ECW for like a hot second. I marked out. I was like, whoa, it's the Steiners. When they came over to the WWE, I loved it. And then I couldn't quite understand why they weren't doing anything with them after a while. You know, and they split them up for a bit. Um, it's, they wanted I to put Scotty on a singles right. run. Right, right. I, did, I didn't quite get it. Like what the, but the WWE does that, knowing now in, in retrospect. But I loved the Steiner brothers is one of the greatest tag teams in the history of. of, of oh, yeah. tag they're, teams. they're phenomenal. They're right. 
unbelievable. And I had heard on one of those uh, Bruce Pritchard podcasts there that um, Pat Patterson was really pushing for um, Vince to put Scott Steiner over in uh, the Royal Rumble one year. And he's like, this is the guy. This is the guy. We, we can we can do something with him. He can be the champion and he can be the top guy. And for whatever reason, they just decided not to do it. Right. And I'm not sure if it was that Scott didn't want to break up with his brother and like leave him on the fucking curb, you know what I mean? With his dick in his hand, essentially going, mm. what about me? But I mean, you know, Scott still ended up having a great singles career when they went back to WCW and he did the whole big Papa Pump thing right. and ended up going back to WWE as big Papa Pump and had a feud with Triple H, although it was right. later in Scott's career, but Scott was always a, you know, a, a drawing power and he was, he was, was a phenomenal world champion worker. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, multiple times, I believe. Mm-hmm. All right, next we have Jimmer Monroe. What's going on, Jimmer? Uh, Jimmy. He's old school, man. He's saying the Blade Runners with Sting and the Warrior. I never got to see the Blade Runners. I they were not heard. a tag team for a very long time. They, right. they were like they had like some other name in USWA, and then they did some weird little thing. And next thing you know, they Sting went to UWF, and Warrior went to Texas. The next thing you know, when WCW bought UWF and merged all their talent in, and um, the Dingo Warrior went up to events to become the Ultimate Warrior. And the rest is history. Done. So, but they had a short little, little stint together. I mean, they trained together with Billy Anderson out in, in that school and uh, got picked up really quick because they looked like, you know, action figures. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you don't say no to those kinds of guys. You bring them in. And even if they have to learn on the job, it's like, hey, we can't pass up this opportunity, you know? So, and they both ended up being world champions at around the same time in 1990. Crazy. Yeah, pretty nuts. Up next, we have Gammy. What's going on, Gammy? What up, Gam? He says the Outsiders, Hall Nash. That's a good pick. Yeah, that was a good pick. You forget that like they were very dead, a lot of heat. Dominant tagging, yeah, very, very. It's good. Like one of those like half the crowd loved them, half the crowd hated them. It's like a perfect scenario when you're right. a worker, because then you can work the entire locker room, which is great. You never run out of people to work. Awesome. Uh, next up, we have uh, Big Ray Hernandez. What's going on, Big Ray? What's up, buddy? Uh, let's see. He his favorite tag team. You want to guess what it is? You know Big Ray. I saw it. Oh, you did. Okay, LOD. <laughs> so he's gonna doom. I, I will. Oh, I will never forget when the Legion of Doom returned to Monday Night Raw the first time. Mm-hmm. They had left WWE, and then WWE was in that 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 area where they weren't really doing so well, and WCW was coming up hard, and all of a sudden. It was Monday Night Raw in the Manhattan Center, and you heard, oh, what a rush. And you hear uh, Vince McMahon goes, can it be? And then it's the Legion. <laughs> can it be? I marked out, bro. I was like, yeah, yeah it's the Legion of Doom. You know, That's so not bad. when they were Legion of Doom 2000, was it? No, the no, no, no. They came back several times. This is the first time. I, I'll, find, I'll find the footage. It was in the Manhattan Center. Cool. They, That's they, awesome. they, they wrestled the headbangers. Oh, wow. Did they eat them alive? Yeah. Must have. yeah, they did. Yeah. They destroyed the head. You got to love a good surprise return, you know? Oh, right. That's awesome. That was dope. Up next, we have Mike M5. What's going on, Mike? What up, M5? He says, any variation of the four horsemen. So that's, you know, mm, can't go wrong. Mike, in in my opinion, my favorite combo in that was Flair and uh, Arn. Because yeah. you had Flair as the finesse guy. Arn is the enforcer because... And I, I, I kind of like Tully, but I didn't like Tully. I, I thought the, the flair and iron thing worked better. Right, right, right. No, yeah, I was a fan. It was the four horsemen, so it's fine. Yeah. 
Up next, we have Jay Reezy Min. What's going on, Jay? Jay? Good. It's good. He, he agrees with Big Ray. He's going LOD. LOD is legendary. Top three, right? Uh, not in my top three, but yeah, a lot of people's top three right, for right. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, up next, we have Scott M9000. What's going on, bro? What up, 9000? He uh, said Fuji and Saido. Right, right. That was dope. Yeah, not, not Fuji and Tanaka. That, that, that was different. This is Fuji and Saido. They were managed by um, Lou Albano. Pretty weird when Fuji was managed by Albano, then Fuji also became a manager during the same period that Albano was still in. I always find that stuff to be really interesting and weird. Right. Uh, up next, we have the one true Babo. What's going on, my brother? What a Babo. What's good, buddy? He says the Dudley boys. The Dudley. The Dudleyville. A lot of people love the Dudleys. I thought they were good. I, I don't understand why they put them up as as... I mean, I guess you can make an argument that they were one of the greatest of all time for sure. In but ECW, I, they were probably the best tag team they ever had in there. When they were so intense and their yeah. promos garnered so much heat, it was like almost like riot level type of heat, which right. was kind of scary at times. But Shouts to Joe Gurt, could yeah. do that. Yeah, yes, they both did very well at that. Right. And uh, then their work in the ring was unbelievable. You know, I mean, right. they were they were throwing dudes around like it's, and they also took great bumps for for big dudes. I mean. They, they're two certified heavyweight wrestlers. And, you know, when Taz would come in and clear house, he'd take Bubba and give him a wheelbarrow suplex. Bubba would be nine feet in the air taking that right. pump to get him over, you know? So, you know, I mean, that's that's a good worker right there. And personally, I dealt with the Dudleys. They're former TCW tag team champions. And they were an absolute pleasure to uh, do business with. So they're awesome. great guys. Um, last but not least is everybody's favorite uh, – uh, 420 partaker. Ooh. Mars Khalifa. How's it going, Mars? What's up, Mars? was good. Oh, wait, before I do that, Jimmy Davis is saying Doom. Dude, Doom. Did I, I fucking loved Doom. Loved Doom. With, with Teddy Long. Yes. And it was just unbelievable. And before they lost the mask, even after the masks, I still liked them, even though you knew it was Ron Simmons and um, uh, Butch Reed. But it was just like like striking, like something that you would remember for the rest of your life type of thing. They were, they were incredible. And when they won the tag belts, it was phenomenal. I believe they even might've had woman as a manager for a short period of time too. I kind of remember that in the back of my mind, but anyway, last but not least is uh, like I said, Mars Khalifa. Uh, he, he didn't have a wrestling tag team. He said his favorite uh, tag team was Cheech and Chong. <laughs> so, kind of goes with his gimmick. So I'll give it to him. Uh, somebody here said something about mil mascaras and dos caras. I didn't even know. Um, what's up? How you guys doing? Uh, hold on. Who else? LAX. LAX. I I love that tag team. Yeah. I love that tag team. I, I like when they had Hernandez with them, man. Right, Hernandez. And uh, Shelly uh, Martinez. Hernandez and Homicide was my favorite. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If if uh, if you're asking me what my favorite tag team is, and nobody mentioned it, I don't know what the hell the problem is. It's the British Bulldogs. It's the, my favorite tag I team. I can't believe world. nobody said the Bulldogs. They're, they're definitely the in my top five. For they're sure. incredible. To, my favorite. I love the Dynamite Kid, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, uh, honorable mentions, and somebody in the chat mentioned this. I, I loved Hayabusa and, and Genze Senzaki. I thought that was fantastic. I, I, that pairing that Asian mysterious thing. And then they do all these flying things. It was freaking incredible. I was also a really big fan of the eliminators in ECW. Mm-hmm. Love that. Tag. I was a super mark for Hiroshi Hase mm-hmm. and Akira Nogami. 
and they were fucking incredible. But I also love, I can't remember, the Hellraisers with Hawk and uh, Suzuki. I can't remember his first name because it's been 25 years, but they were incredible as well. I don't remember. But I think, I think I have to say, and I hate to say this, like, it's kind of like a tie for my favorite tag team is like the Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation. I just can't decide between the two. My wife's favorite tag team, undeniably, is Demolition, which I'm surprised nobody said. And Demolition was, was something else. I remember when the Heart Foundation beat the Bulldogs for the tag team titles. I cried. Um, oh, yeah. I, I definitely cried. Um, Bulldogs were just so cool. Yeah, the best, and and it's the reason I have a. But they were badass, you know what I mean. But they were good guys, but they were badasses. Oh, but they were tough. Like you couldn't, like you look at Dynamite Kid and be scared of him. You know what I mean? Even yes. though he was the smallest dude, you'd be like, he'll kill a motherfucker. Yeah, like, you believe you would kill a motherfucker. Right, right, right. Um, right. Do you ever get to see them wrestle live? I no. I I saw the Engl- uh, the the British Bulldog wrestle live several times, but not mm-hmm. the Dynamite Kid. Uh, Not the dynamite kid. Uh, John Dingle says PG thirteen. It's funny. Hey, they were really good in the South. Though. They were they were great in um, like uh, Memphis Power Pro and those that area down there in the USWA. They 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 were great heels down there. The phenomenal angels AJ Styles and Christopher Daniel. I never saw that, but I'm sure that two phenomenal workers. Right, right, right. Yes, I said phenomenal. <laughs> You're not kidding. Hold on, there were a couple of others. That I wanted to to highlight and I lost them, man. They was they just got lost in the chat. Mike Simmons says the Lucha Bros. Good for you, brother. Um, uh, TN Couponer had said something, and I don't know what it is. Oh, here it is. Tell me about these guys. I don't know. Chris Adams and Gino oh, Hernandez. Man. I know. Jesus. I know Chris Adams, right? And I saw Wicked him. Heaters. Chris Gino Hernandez. I didn't know anything about until until behind the. I mean, the wrestling. What is it? Documentary that they yeah, do. The handsome half breed. Right. And uh, Chris Adams was a British guy who actually, he's the one who trained Steve Austin. Oof. And they're both workers in Texas and they're phenomenal heels. Actually, Chris Adams was a babyface for a long time. And, uh, but uh, yeah, Gino Hernandez was, they had always said, had Gino lived, because he died from an overdose. Right. Um, had Gino lived, he would have been the next Ric Flair type, type of thing. But I had heard that with a million guys. But uh, he, was, he was a great heel. He was handsome, like I said, he handsome, handsome half breed. He was a good, really good looking guy, about six feet tall, really put together, and he could work uh, the stick. You know, he could do a promo right. like nobody's business. Right, right, right. So I mean, he would he could work in the ring, but he could, his promos were even better than his work, and his work was fantastic. So he he definitely could have been a guy who I could see in WCW could have been a top player in WWE. I could have imagined him as a, a super villainous like manager that could have a, a a family like Bobby Heenan had like with like six wrestlers and it's like a tag team and this and that you know what I mean like and like controlling like from the scenes you know what I mean pulling strings and manipulating people to do his bidding type of type of guy right 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 um I'm trying to think the the last tag team that really did it for me was the American Wolves and the Briscoes mm-hmm. um no I'm lying um the the Lucha Bros, of course. And for, for a while, I was a big fan of the Young Bucks. Not, not, not so much anymore. What about Jack and Jerry Briscoe? They were the original Briscoes. They the were phenomenal. Briscoes. Tag team. I, I didn't see too much of them. You know, oh, I, brother, I, you should go and check some of their shit out. Have them, have, they, they did a feud with the Funk Brothers. 
Terry and uh, Dory Jr. and um, like an Ohio versus Texas thing, and it was like uh, a blood feud. It was tremendous. But yeah, no, made millions that. of dollars off of that. Angle. I went back and I saw some Freebird stuff. Michael Hayes was incredible, bro. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been a huge Michael Hayes fan back in the day. But uh, to me, it's it's a no brainer. It's the British Bulldogs are the greatest tag team of all time. I would have loved to have seen the Bulldogs against the Steiners. Uh, I, I don't know if that ever happened, but I, I never saw it. Um, you know, uh, you need to do someday when you have literally nothing to do. And I know that's like impossible nowadays, but <laughs> right. Or if like you're like, you happen to be like on the train or on a bus or anything, and you just have a little go, go to the, uh, YouTube and just put British Bulldogs, all Japan wrestling. Mm. And you'll see matchups through there that you never even knew existed and be like, this is phenomenal. That was the reason they left WWE was because Vince wouldn't let them take six weeks every year to go to Japan. Right, right. So yeah. they're like, all right, well, fuck you. We're, they pay us, you know, $25,000 a week. We're not going to say no to that. Yeah. You know, and so they would, they left and then eventually came back and, you know, had that problem with Jacques Rougeau where Jacques knocked uh, Dynamite out with the roll of quarters. And right. Dynamite was never the same after that. And um, slowly but surely, he, not, not too far after that, he was kind of gone. And then they brought Davy Boy back as a singles a year or two later. Right, right, right. I, I uh, yeah, I watch them in their All Japan stuff. You'll I have to. I'm, I'm going to. Like, uh, you know, I, I love All Japan wrestling as it is anyway. You know, like old school All Japan. Um, but there's a lot I still have to catch up on. And, and, and I, I saw a, a, a Road Warriors versus John Tenta and uh, I want to say Tatsumi Fujinami. Fuck. And, and I'm watching this going, and this is probably about two or three years before John Tenta became Earthquake in WWF. Right. And he's about 100 pounds lighter. <laughs> and he's moving around that ring like he's a fucking cruiserweight. He always moves really light-footed in the ring. He was always very nimble, even yeah. as a big, big guy. Right, like right. He could do that finish where he, you know guys would let him jump up as a hit in the ropes like really fast, which is strange for a big, big guy, and then jump up and you know do the seated squash move. Right. You know what I mean? So he obviously he was, you know, treating the guys with Kid gloves doing that because you can't break a dude's ribs, so obviously you got to do it nice and light. So, but he he here he is a couple years younger and about a hundred pounds lighter, and he's going toe to toe. And like yeah, at some points, LOD's kind of trying to move him around the ring a certain way. He's like grabs one of them and turns him around. He's like fuck you. Like that's how <laughs> strong he was because he was a legitimate sumo wrestler for years out in Japan. That's what he was doing there originally, and then got into pro wrestling. Right, right, right. So I mean, you're not going to move a heavyweight sumo wrestler who's six foot nine, you know, and at that time probably only 300 and you know, maybe 20 pounds rather than the 400 pounds he was when he was earthquake. Right, right, right. Got it, man. Um, one last thing before we get out of here, the machines. Uh, another oh, one around for a long time. I fucking love, love the machines. The machine. <laughs> ah, love one them. of my favorite gimmicks, dude. I love that yeah. year. So you know why they did that? They, they, they had uh, uh, Andre the Giant who supposedly missed a couple of dates and he wasn't making his appearances and stuff like that. And Bobby Heenan got him suspended. So Jack Tunney had to come and be like, unfortunately, because they did a match this week. Okay, Andre the Giant's going to be on next week. So that week of wrestling finally comes. And unfortunately, Andre he couldn't make it for whatever reason, but in his places, Hillbilly Jim, who was a super over baby face. So people still cheered. Hillbilly had a match and blah, blah, blah. And they did that a couple times. And then they did a conference, you know, Andre the Giant's, you know, uh, should be suspended. He's missed, you know, several bookings in the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. And Jack Tunney actually goes, you're right. And uh, 
from this point forward for uh, uh, Andre the Giant is suspended for the next six months or indefinitely or something like that. So that was got a lot of booze because people, people loved Andre and wanted to see him. And then all of a sudden, because he's suspended, all of a sudden this gigantic masked wrestler from Japan shows up. And it's obviously, obviously Andre the Giant, right? <laughs> right. Who the hell else could it be? But it's, no, it's the giant machine with the super machine and the um, the, the quick machine. Well, there was a whole bunch uh, right. towards the end. There was the Piper machine, the Hogan machine. I saw them both at the Boston Garden. It was fantastic. <laughs> Hogan wore a white machine's mask. And every time he'd bump a guy, he'd lift up the mask and look at the crowd. And this crowd would fucking go nuts, like ape shit nuts. <laughs> And the Piper machine, oh my god, it was so fucking funny. But like they had but one of the machines was um uh Blackjack Mulligan and the other one was Bill Eady, who was Axe from Demolition, right. also known as uh, the super uh super uh god's super something, super just not super destroyer, but I got I'm having PTSD. But um Super nice guy, Billy Eady, by the way. I love the guy to death. Yeah, I actually had a machine mask and I had him sign it as his uh, as like super machine. So um, then Bobby Heenan's on TV every week for weeks and weeks going, that's Andre the Giant, that's Andre the Giant. I know it, I know it. No, it's not Andre the Giant. And they say, are you Andre the Giant? You go, no. (laughs) 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 Then they have him speak in Japanese, which obviously wasn't Japanese. It was just much more like, (laughs) and like they would do that for you. That's gotta be Andre. They did it forever and ever and ever. And finally, like, um, they just disappeared out of nowhere. And then they started getting ready to heat up WrestleMania 3 is when they brought Andre back. And all of a sudden, he was brought back by Bobby the Brain Heenan. So it was a very strange, weird thing to go from one thing to the other, which they never, I don't think, ever fully explained. But it was they were probably like, oh, shit, we got to get ready for Andre versus Hulk. How are we going to do it and have him come back from his suspension? Because Bobby Heenan had it lifted. He went to Jack Tunney's office and said, well, let me take care of his bookings and I'll make sure he gets to the venue or whatever. So that's how he became the manager. You know, it's like a year long story kind of, but I mean, that's, that's how they kind of got to that. Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Story time with the strangler. I I, I still got to pick up a, a a machines mask. I I want one of those. It's one of my prized possessions. Got to get one, man. I got, I have to get one, you know, Hey, all right. It's WLR. We're getting up out of here. Striz, tell them where they can find you. All right, find me on the X. Ugh, I hate saying that. At Strangler Steve underscore. Right. And like I do every week on Tuesdays, I'll throw up another one. And if you want to have your shout out, like all 20 people did tonight, we'll throw up another question for you next week and just answer as I have it written and um, we'll have some more fun. Eight track said Doug Furness and Phil LaFont. Oh, man, they were fantastic. Very good. Very what good a terrific team. tag team. Very good tag team. Um, and not in WWE so much. They Vanessa didn't. Lafon. In ECW, they were just the fucking they were shit. Incredible. It, it kind of a, a, a Steiner throwback a bit, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And 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 uh Furnace was just a monster. Yeah. Lord God bless. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Uh all right, let's get out of here. My name is Billy Ray Valentine, and uh we are the 1111 boys. Peace to the Andrew Bello. We'll be back next week, Lord Winning Striz. Tell him what's up. I love big kitties. Right. (laughs) Take old bitties. Bye-bye, y'all. Peace. We're still out.